Welcome to Transcendent Psychotherapist. Do you know yourself? Really? Where does your mind start and where does it end? Do you have an unconscious mind? How much of the conscious you is really in charge? Are there thinking parts of yourself that you're unaware of? These and other questions we tackle today. This podcast examines a wonderful chapter and there's more to follow in future episodes from Bernardo Castrat's book, Decoding Jung's Metaphysics, published by If Books. In this podcast, we consider his understanding of Jung's view of the psyche. What is it? Does his view help us understand ourselves and the world a little better? Bernardo Castrup's an interesting thinker with a background at CERN, Europe's large hadron collider, where they smash subatomic particles together for fun. And he has two PhDs, one in computer engineering and another in philosophy of mind. So he's a formidable force in the overlap of psychology and philosophy. So what is the psyche to Jung? Kastrup starts out by sketching where Jung sees the psyche as located in reality. And he acknowledges that Jung is notoriously inconsistent and cumbersome in his ideas, but then he did write a lot over a long period of time. Uh, So we forgive you, Carl. The psyche for Jung is located between a lower domain of the instincts and the higher domain of what he calls spirit. By this, Jung means that we are pushed and pulled between two forces, a force in large measure biological, that has all the drives we're used to, hunger, thirst, sex, aggression, social bonding, etc., and a force that captures our moral and intellectual vision. For Jung, Kastrup explains the psyche extends into both these domains, but that often, when he speaks of the psyche, he's referring to the conscious part of us that has will and that is able to reflect or re-represent reality to itself and is largely a kind of associative, highly associative cognitive network. This is what he often calls ego consciousness, okay, the highly associative, highly networked part of us that we normally call me with a strong sense of identity and a story of who I am. So the psyche has a brightly lit, self-aware, reflective, volitional centre, which is also extending down into the instinctual and then up into the spiritual, both of which are largely out of touch with ego consciousness. Sort of, there's more. The thing to grasp so far is that yourself, that you call me, sits within a broader field of mental activity. Kastrup explains that for Jung, The psyche proper, in inverted commas, is the ego consciousness, but that he also refers to the psyche uh, as a kind of an an extending thing in in graded degrees into a realm of instinct and spirit, which are largely out of ego conscious awareness um, in what he calls the unconscious. So the next thing to consider is what we mean by consciousness and the unconscious. There's a lot of confusing equivocation in how these terms are used. So Kastrup explains that consciousness, as Jung used the word, really refers to what accurate, at least, philosophers of mind will call meta-consciousness. 
And this refers to the capacity of consciousness to re-represent reality to itself. So consciousness per se is not necessarily doing this re-representation thing. So what does he mean a bit more? So if I ask you what you are feeling right now in your left big toe, you will pause, notice, and then report what is being experienced. Before this, you were probably unaware or only very dimly aware of the experience. However, on reflection, you may be able to tell me uh, that your big toe is cold and that thinking about it, you can recall that it was experiencing being cold before you noticed it. But at the time, you just weren't noticing it. But the experience was there. In other words, experience is always happening. There is always conscious experience in your big toe, but you're not always meta-conscious of it. You aren't always spotlighting this experience into your attention. And I think this helps us understand what Jung's unconscious means, because it doesn't mean that there is no experience, no feeling, no thinking, etc. happening outside of ego consciousness. It means that there are always experiences which we are are kind of well, which are kind of offline to reflective awareness. This in academic philosophy of mind is sometimes referred to as phenomenal consciousness. So when you're considering Jung, Jung's kind of two ideas of conscious and unconscious, that terminology, maybe think instead metaconscious and phenomenal consciousness. But no, Kastrup warns us the two are not entirely separate things. One emerges within the other so that all reality for Jung and for Kastrup is fundamentally mental in nature. Even if it appears there's kind of a matter mind split to our perceptions. Ultimately, it's all one essence at bottom. So. Having established the psychological terrain a bit, we can explore the traffic or the interaction between the conscious and the unconscious because they do impinge on one another. For Jung, reports Kastrup, the wider mental psychoid field in which ego consciousness sits is active. For Jung, the unconscious is always experiencing and it's filled with autonomous centers of consciousness, which impinge on our psyche, in quotes, proper, or if you like, our ego consciousness. Remember, the psyche, loosely defined, has no edge as such, but fades into the unconscious mental field from which it emerges. We are, if you like, islands that appear separate, viewed above the sea's surface, but underneath, everything kind of connects at the seabed. The psyche proper, or the ego consciousness, the island if you like, is impinged upon by autonomous phenomena in the unconscious. And we experience such entities in dreams, fantasies, and also kind of when we're possessed by ideas and feelings out of the blue. More on this in another podcast. Now, you may be thinking, this is cuckoo nonsense. I, I don't blame you. 
But remember, the early Jung worked intensely with schizophrenic patients, and when we consider the experiences of people in psychosis or under the influence of, say, DMT, for example, we do see the ego is somewhat dissolved in its normal boundaries. People experience extremely real, often reported indeed as more real than reality, uh, psychological phenomena. Is it so far-fetched to think that we exist as mental islands in a broader mental space? Remember, moreover, that many reports of near-death experiences, or so-called NDEs, in which there's no brain activity and no pulse at all, many of these reports tell us of deeply rich experiences, which, if materialism is true and mind comes from the brain, there shouldn't be any experiences, let alone richer experiences. So these NDEs are, again, are often more real than reality in people's experience when they report them. So in my view, and Castrup's, normal ego consciousness is a kind of dialed down experience of what is a wider mental activity always going on. One last feature that really grabbed my attention in his chapter is this. So Kastrup discusses the idea in Jung that there are likely autonomous centers of consciousness that have their own will and their own subjective experience within our unconscious that are kind of offline to our central ego consciousness. And we encounter these centers of consciousness when we dream or we fantasize. When we dream, we encounter others if you like, with their own mental life. Indeed, in some fugue states, the mind may lose its own sense of identity. Um, with dissociative identity disorder, or DID, for example, people can inhabit different split-off centres of consciousness that are very kind of like different people. And remember, of course, when whole cultures get caught up in mass ideological obsession, thinking here of Nazi Germany in 1939, it is almost as if powerful animated ideas have taken over the psyche. Jung describes these autonomous centres of consciousness as luminosities, from which we are normally detached, but which exist in the unconscious with a life of their own. It may be useful to think of ourselves as a kind of cosmos. The self-reflective ego consciousness is like the sun, but all around it are planets moving in the dark of the unconscious. Sometimes we, we feel their gravitational pull. Sometimes a new body emerges like a comet out of the dark and is briefly illuminated by the sun's light. But nevertheless, we're, we, we, are, we don't stop at the sun we are part of a broader mental field. So what should we make of all this? It is quite speculative at a certain level, but I don't think it's philosophically stupid. I don't think it's psychologically stupid either. If it makes more sense to see the whole of reality as kind of substantially made of the same primary stuff, the same primary reality, it also makes more sense to my mind to think of reality as existing in consciousness, that, 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 that rather than seeing consciousness as some kind of dualistic oil sitting atop a material underlayer, 
actually the whole thing is one reality made of the same ultimate substrate. And if this is right, we live in a world of ideas. We are minds living within a bigger mental domain. Anyway, I will do future pods on this book because it's fascinating. The next podcast I will put up will be thinking about Jung's uh, archetypes and complexes as uh, Kastrup looks at that in the next chapter. Heartily recommend Kastrup's book. It is Decoding Jung's Metaphysics, the Archetypal Semantics of an Experiential Universe. It's not hugely long and it's very easy to read. It's about 130 pages long. Um, So go out, go get it.